So Google has started to roll out broad core algorithms in the middle of 2018. Back then we called it Google Medic because it seemed to mostly affect health sites. However, as time passed, we have seen these core updates essentially affect pretty much every niche and a lot of authority site owners have been affected by these updates. And when Google decides to press the refresh button on these updates, some sites lose up to 90% traffic and it's a bit of a slaughter for those sites that are affected. There is also some sites that go up from these updates, but overall there's massive volatility every time Google refreshes it. And to be frank, I've been a little bit scared to talk about these updates, mostly because they are not very well understood. But the fact is, they come every few months at this point and they affect a lot of our listeners. So here we go, we are going to be talking about these in depth, what we think, what we know, and what we think you should do. But we won't just talk about these updates and what they do. We will also talk about how the community reacts to them and kind of like the content that is creating around these updates, how content creators in the online marketing space are using them to build a bit of a following and sometimes a business. And of course, because you guys like when we are very practical in this podcast, we are also going to be taking a few of the sites that got affected by these updates and we're going to be analyzing them live on the podcast and we'll tell you what we think and what may have caused this or not. A lot of it is going to be speculation, but it's going to be fun. And we will actually do more of these analysis on Friday. So there should be a stream scheduled on the YouTube channel right now. You can go and register for it. And Mark and I will be live analyzing a bunch of sites that got penalized or at least affected by these core updates. So if you're excited by this content, if you want us to not be afraid to talk about core updates, don't forget to like the video, subscribe and click on the notification bell. I actually heard that the people who are subscribed to our channel have 23% less chances to be affected by these updates. So do yourself a favor and subscribe to the channel. And for now, let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I know you missed my French accent last week, so I'm sure you're glad I'm back. But I am with the same person I'm usually with to talk about something that we haven't been talking a lot about. So first of all, let's just go with the how's it going, Mark, because I know you guys have been missing that. I see the guest last week kind of like asks you, but you kind of dodged it. It's like it's a, you didn't try very hard. So I hope you have something well, better I've, today. I've started asking the guests <laughs> now. Like I start off yes. like, hey, how's it going, Kevin? And I just do that to see which of the them like respond in a way that would indicate they've actually watched our previous episodes yeah, so I kind of know test. how many of our weird in jokes to provide them with Fair enough. Yeah, I think it's a good test. I think if people ask to be on the podcast, we should be like, oh, okay, but how's it going? And if they have a, an interesting answer, then maybe we invite them. Otherwise, we don't. <laughs> so if you outreach for the podcast, which I get about three to four a day at this point, like of people outreaching to be on the podcast, then you better put some joke about how's it going. If not, you refuse by default. We're going to do more of these interviews, though. I think it was a cool interview. So if you haven't seen last week's podcast, go check it out. I was on the premiere with everyone, kind of like discovering it. I had done the thumbnail with the designer. That's the only thing I did. But uh, I enjoyed it. I think it was cool. And uh, I liked him. I liked that he was uh, not full of shit like most copywriters. Yeah. And not like, you know, using words like synergy and like, uh, you it was know, kind of like yeah. buzzwords. And I hate that. So it's like, this was good. He know it definitely has written reviews. And I think the stuff on the intros, etc., was interesting. So if you do affiliate reviews on your site, I recommend you go check out this podcast. This is last week's podcast. So check the feed if you're on the audio or check the previous video on YouTube and you'll be able to uh, find that here. We actually have another interview coming up next week with uh, a digital PR link builder, which is one you will not want to miss. Um, I think it's probably the show I've, or the interview where I've like learned the most. I was talking to the person afterwards for like a good 20 minutes, just asking more tips and advice and, and picking her brain and stuff is, is, is good. So check out the show next week for that as well. So make sure you're subscribed. Cool. I'm excited. We are going to be doing more interviews. I'm going to be doing some as well at some point. I need to just schedule some. I have some interesting ones that I've talked to people with. I've talked with uh, like Travis, who does a lot of like site investing and everything and so on. So I'll probably do one with him maybe in February. So I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, let's jump into today's podcast because a lot of people have complained that we spent too long in the intro. So let's jump into it. And we are going to be talking about the infamous Google core updates that have been shaking the internet for like about two years now, maybe something like this. When was the, the yeah, the first one was like a few months before the Chiang Mai SEO last year. So something like that, like soon two years, I would say. And so it's like, 
Essentially, these updates happen out of thin air, and then it just seems to reshake a lot of the rankings. And then everyone jumps on Facebook and tries to decide what Google has changed. And then a shit show ensues and like nobody still knows what's going on. So we haven't talked about them even though, yeah, we've talked about them, but we haven't really like given our analysis or things like that. And I kind of want to talk about why we did that today. And I want to kind of like, you know, share what we think about them, but also share what we think about how the industry is reacting to them, I think. Do you want to give another description of what happened and what it is, et cetera? Did you do this better than me usually, so. Yeah, I mean, this was really born out of a number of people in our Facebook communities, our, our members' Facebook communities, posting about seeing sites losing half a million visitors overnight and, you know, huge, huge drops in their, their traffic on, uh, at least when viewed through, through Ahrefs. And kind of freaking out, like, hey, do I really want to get into this this business? Do I want to, is, is it worth living in a world where this can happen seemingly at random to anyone overnight? Of course, it's not random. It's not just the your luck whether this happens to you or not. There's things you can do which will make you more likely to succumb to it and things which you can do which makes you much less likely. Would you say there's a degree of randomness to it? Not really, no. Okay, I believe there is a bit, actually. I believe some sites that are pretty decent also get hit. A lot of shit sites get hit as well. I agree. I think it's not random in the sense that Google's just trying to shake things up. It's random in the sense that Google will make an algorithm change at the core, like of how it calculates who ranks first, second, third, etc. And then that's they have to make a kind of broad algorithm for that. They can't go into every single SERP and say, oh, well, actually, in this case, this algorithm wouldn't work. They'll try and do that as much as possible. And I'm sure they have um, very smart ways of, of testing it and ensuring that they're not doing the wrong thing and making shit sites go to the top as did happen, you know, seven, eight years ago when when some updates were coming out. You saw that. Oh, they've done it recently too, actually. They've rolled back some of these, actually. That that was the one case when I remember Tim from Ahrefs yeah. was complaining, <laughs> rightfully so, that because uh, they have really good content on their blog. And there was another site which outranked them for a really hot, like big SEO term. I forget what it was. We'll put the tweet. And uh, this, this this other site, this other post absolutely did not deserve to be there. But that was the case, and we mentioned this in one of our, our update podcasts uh, last year, that was the case where Google legitimately like made a big mistake and said, oh, actually, this is a, this is a problem, and they rolled it back, and they, they essentially canceled that. Now, whether that was because they didn't test it properly or like the these things happened which they didn't expect, then you know we'll never know. But suffice to say, at the end, now it's not random because from that perspective, because they've said, actually, this was wrong. So it wasn't like they were, yeah, yeah. were getting hit randomly. Yeah, I agree. Let's just talk about a kind of like the evolution because before when an update would roll out, it would be much more defined what Google changed, right? And they would often even communicate about it, right? So for example, you know, when they rolled Panda, they were like, well, we're aiming at low quality content. And then they put a bunch of questions. Duplicate content, a big thing there as well. Yeah, but even low quality, right? I remember they released some questions when they released it. They were like, okay, like, would you trust this site to put your credit card information on it? Would you trust medical advice from this site, et cetera, et cetera. So they had like five, six questions like that. And it's like, you know, if you can't say yes to these questions, then this is probably the kind of sites we're targeting. That's how they would communicate around that. Whereas, and same with Penguin, they would be like, they, I don't think Penguin, they ever said they were going after links or something, but it became pretty obvious pretty quickly that this was more of a... They tweeted, oh, what was the guy's name? Matt Cutts, like tweeted yeah, about it yeah. and, you know, said, okay, we found Link Van or Build My Rank, you know, this mm, is... But this wasn't Penguin. You know. This was kind of like, a, like a, a targeted manual thing against people who use these networks. But Penguin, I don't think they ever said it, but it was pretty obvious it was and kind of like... Interestingly, they kind of like went with that vibe when SEOs would talk about it and you would talk to them about that. And, you know, it kind of like confirmed that way without ever saying it out loud. Uh, but these kind of like core updates, it's a lot more difficult to tell what's going on. And Google will just not say anything. They just say, essentially, we're changing the way we're scoring pages. And if you are not ranking as high, it's just because you're not, you know, you're not what we define now as a quality page compared to what it was before or something like that. That's essentially what they say. They say there's nothing to fix, just create great websites or something. That's that's their They always have the same messaging. Our guidance remains the same. 
Please yeah, follow yeah, yeah. the webmaster guidelines and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, so that's pretty much, and it's much more difficult. So I think I wanted to talk about like why it's probably more difficult. I think one of them is they're probably batching a bunch of updates at once. So it's like, it looks like, you know, it looks like they're pressing a button and just everything just changes. But like what's probably happening is that, you know, at Google, there's probably multiple teams. I don't imagine they have like massive team working on, on like one update, but rather, you know, five people working on an update on how you treat exact keywords on the page. And then you have like 10 people working on this, etc. And then they're like, here's the deadline. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Push. That sounds like total bullshit. Where, like, where, where did you get this from? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they're probably batching the release of everything because they press a button and just everything changes at once. You know, it's not, there's not like, I mean, there is small updates rolling out, but there's like a big, a big wave of stuff happening at once, right? And so it's likely, and I think they even mentioned that they're probably rolling, like they kind of like insinuated that, that they're rolling multiple things at once as well. So you would imagine that there's essentially multiple people's work that comes together at once, gets tested through the people who test the subs and eventually gets rolled out, you know? I mean, I would imagine that they have some kind of framework to test this internally, but it, it's oh, they somewhat, do. Like there's, somewhat. There's, that's the quality uh, writer guidelines. That's what you read. And so like we, we even have a post about that on Notary Hacker. Essentially, they have like thousands of people that literally have two versions of the subs for a given keyword and they have to pick the winning one. One of them mm. is maybe the original one and one of them is the one after the update. And once they pass a certain quality score through these testers, then eventually they roll out the update. So I believe that what happens is there's the engineers doing their work then essentially they recompute a part of their index with the new algorithm. Then they run an A-B test of the results against these testers. And then if these tests positive more than a certain percentage, they roll this out, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing. In order to fully test, you can never fully test this just because yeah, of the, the sheer the quantity, test. the volume of searches going on. And so many are, are unique as well. So you're only going to discover these like big problems. Yeah, then they roll it out massively and they realize, oh, actually in this niche it doesn't really work or like this because the the way the signals work, like people don't link to each other the same way or something like this. And so then, essentially what you're saying is there's like a lot of work going on over a period of time internally. Yeah, so the, the, the serps you know? are kind of flat or stable rather. And then it's released and everything yeah. changes over the course of a few but days. But you can imagine that even for the testing, it makes more sense to like, if multiple updates are going to roll out around the same day, you might as well just roll up them out all in one single update, recompute and a small index based on all these new factors. And then eventually actually look at the end result against what you have today, because it's going to already be more accurate than if you did them one by one and then just not really see that, you know? And then eventually if the results are really bad, then maybe you can decouple some of these updates and then just test them against each other and maybe roll only part of it and push them back to in the engineering team, et cetera. The same way as you create content, really. So it's like, because they have a whole testing environment, because they have all of that, I definitely imagine that there is more batching and probably made, even if they didn't really change the things they do, if they change the way they work, these updates can feel a lot more like, you know, a lot more difficult to read because multiple things could be rolling out at once because maybe they do a better QA testing. And to do better QA testing, they'd rather test things together at the same time, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree that they're trying to do you multiple it was things at work. Well, what I said was bullshit. It's like, oh, they have five people doing this and ten people doing it this. Was an like, it, it was, was like it was an far, illustration. far too specific there. I was like, how yeah, do you know it this? was just an illustration. I said they might have, you know, a small engineering team doing one thing, a small engineering team doing another thing. Then work comes together, gets tested, and if it all works, then you release it. If parts of it doesn't work, send it back to that engineering team, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and and plan for the next release. You know. Okay. <laughs> That's how it would work in my mind. But like that would be one reason why it might be harder to read these updates because things might be batched together. And so there might be a link update with a content update, for example. And so like if the two things happen at once, then it's really difficult to tell, well, what happened on the content side versus what happened on the link side. Yeah, it's and not so even it, just like, oh, we're changing this one thing about links. It's like every update they're changing and tweaking every or most metrics that they stuff, work yeah. with, or most variables all the time. So it's like, you can't even say, oh, you know, like links got, links got hit and, you know, there's multiple parts of links. It's like, well, links got hit in this case, if this type of content, but excluding these types of niches because of these factors and like, it gets incredibly compli complicated incredibly quickly. And that's 
probably one of the reasons we're not seeing much communication for them in terms of like, hey, this is what's happening because it's too difficult to explain. Yeah, I think another thing that could be happening is a kind of like a butterfly effect, you know? So let's say you see like a typical thing that you see on Facebook groups, people will be like, oh, they're targeting affiliate sites. Like that's kind of like blanket statement, Google's targeting affiliate sites, right? Maybe the it's just a butterfly effect of them maybe targeting a certain type of link building that's popular within affiliate marketers, for example. And then, or whatever, or something else, you know, or maybe like a certain sentence structure or something, whatever, stuff like that, that is not really targeted affiliate sites, but rather like something else. But eventually, because it's popular within that industry, then that happens. And then the sites that link to them maybe get hit. And then these sites then pass less authority. And then a lot of affiliate sites end up being hit without it ever being the intention of Google, right? So I think there's a bit of like, there could be a lot of like unintended side effects of things they are trying to fix rather than them actually targeting what people say on the Facebook groups or something like that. Would you agree with that or that would be bullshit? No, 100% I agree. It's also a case of you know spurious correlations where you have, you must have seen these graphs, we'll put one up on screen in the, in the YouTube video at least, where you have like the divorce rate in Maine, USA over time. And then that correlates perfectly with the per capita consumption of margarine. Right now, obviously, those two things are not in any way linked, unless the margarine's being poisoned, tinfoil hat. But the fact that those those correlate doesn't mean that they're related. In the same way that if we say, okay, there's quite a few affiliate sites saying in in these groups that they got hit, it doesn't mean that oh, actually, Google's going after affiliate sites now because they're affiliate sites. It could be that affiliate sites tend to have like thinner content or not be as good in certain areas or not have certain aspects that they're they're looking from their content. Or they have from cheaper the writers that make more else. grammar mistakes and they're more difficult, yeah. they're more strict on the grammar or things like this. Yeah. You know, like. And when you really dig into that thing, okay, so Google's going after affiliate sites, is it? It's going after affiliate sites. So if we go for the if we have a look at all the keywords that these affiliate sites that lost used to rank for and used to get traffic for are we not going to see affiliate sites there? Have they replaced them with product sites? When we Google best hiking shoes, is it not going to be third-party people reviewing them? Is it just going to be a list of hiking shoe vendors? No, it's not. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot around these. There's also a lot of confirmation bias. So you're looking for, again, affiliate sites being penalized, so you find affiliate sites being penalized, but you kind of like miss you know, the pure content sites being penalized or the directories being penalized or like things like that. Not even penalized, by the way, just affected by the update. I don't think we should say penalized. This is not penalties. So I think there's a lot of confirmation bias. And usually my best analogy that's going to obviously be on my analogy book that you're eagerly waiting for one day for that is, um, you know, when you talk to like entrepreneurs and they're like, oh yeah, like, look, uh, Steve Jobs, he woke up at 5 a.m. Elon Musk, he wakes up super early and he sleeps in a Tesla factory, etc. So waking up, you know, at 5 a.m. or very early is definitely an attribute to being a successful entrepreneur, right? My response usually to that is like, you know, who else wakes up at 5 a.m.? factory walkers. They usually wake up really early and start really early, etc., and have like early shifts, etc. And you tend to have a lot more factory walkers waking up around this time, especially because they live far away from work because they can't afford like the housing that's next to work or something like this, etc. Then there is successful CEOs, right? So it's like if you put back everything into the general population, a lot of these like success factors tend to actually not be success factors be just because these CEOs woke up super early or something like that. And it's like, it's very average and a lot of people wake up early regardless of their level of success, right? And so it is a little bit like that in that sense, like with the, you know, all affiliate sites get affected or like guest postings getting penalized or something like that. We're kind of like zooming in into an industry we spend, spend a lot of time in. And then we are trying to, we are finding obviously sites being affected by these updates, etc. And because we don't spend a lot of time looking at these other populations of sites and how other people who have info products, who have e-commerce, who have all of that, etc., then we are justifying our analysis and saying, well, obviously affiliate sites are being affected, therefore this update is affecting affiliate sites, you know? So another thing I want to talk about as well is not just like what may be causing these updates, but rather how the community is reacting to them, how the news are reacting to them, etc. We as SEOs can't really have a proper view of what's happening when we work only on like, you know, three, four, five sites. It's really hard to tell. Many people will not even notice these updates if they're working on these few sites. So what we do is we 
you know, create content on blogs, on the news, etc. We have communities on Reddit, on Facebook, etc. It gives us kind of like a perspective on these updates that hopefully helps us understand them better by sharing experiences, right? And but the problem is it's a little bit biased how it's done. So I wanted to talk about this as well with you, Mark. And uh, actually, you wanted to make the first point. So go ahead. So there's a kind of movement within the SEO blogger, SEO news side of the community to create content which explains exactly what's happened. Because people are looking for this. People who have been hit, or even people who haven't been hit and are scared of being hit. They're like, what happened here? This is really uncertain. I need to know what happened. Or I've been hit. How do I fix it? Tell me what to do so I can go and do that. And usually the answer is not so simple. It's a little bit more complicated. It takes a lot of time to, to research and to, to go through. And we'll go through some examples of that in the show today. But you just have to be careful of SEO bloggers, ourselves included. I mean, we're making a, a podcast episode about this. It's in reaction to demand. Like People are really asking, oh, what do I do? What's going on here? But there are also a lot of people out there who have penalty removal companies or SEO tools focusing on certain things or link building services or parts of services. And they have a monetary incentive to explain a penalty or not a penalty, explain the, the core algorithm update in a way that which favors doing stuff related to what they're doing. So you might use their, their services or, or, or their tool. Even if they don't have services, the SEO news sites, they thrive on clicks, on ad revenue, and they want to get people, people in there. And if they have content around this, then everyone's going to click. It's going to be popular. I know this podcast episode is going to be yeah, popular be. <laughs> as, a, as a topic. So in a way, we are the the problem there, even though it's not quite, there's no real missing intentions there, at least. What you said before, so the SEO community or individuals in the SEO community, they rarely have enough data to make accurate assessments of this. You need to look at hundreds of thousands of sites and many, many, many points of points of data. Even when you're able to do that, it's very easy to quantify things like a DR, number of words on a page, age of site. You can even start quantifying to an extent quality of links and, and things like that. But it's much harder to quantify some of the softer things like how good is the content? What's what's the quality level of the of, of the content? There's no tool that can really measure that. We can measure things like readability, but we can't measure is this a good review or is this not? At least not yet. So those factors, those softer factors tend to be overlooked in the industry's reaction to it. And that's why you see a lot of focus on, oh, Google is just going after affiliate sites. It's it's uh, too much affiliate reviews versus info content, poor quality links, uh, things like that. But very rarely do you, do you have people saying, okay, well, actually, let's take a look at this site. It went down. Who's above it now? What are they doing that they're not? And then let's dig into the, the actual content here. Is it serving the, the user? We've seen so much recently from Google around search in intent, where an article which can be good, but is not exactly matching what people want to see, is just not going to get anywhere. So as time goes on, and those, those factors often change, you'll see sites fall off because they don't have the correct intent in their content that they used to have. And when you do find people talking about this stuff in a reaction to a core algorithm update, it's often rarely actionable. They don't say, okay, well, here's how to fix it. It's more just like, oh, you know, improve the quality of your content or give some other generic advice like that, which is just inherently unhelpful. But the thing is, like this, this content which, which SEO bloggers put out there, it, it gets so much, so many likes, so many reviews, so much engagement. Shares on shares the communities. That it, it perpetuates other people to to do it, and then it just, and then you you have like a bunch of people who don't know what they're talking about saying stuff to get attention, and then you have other people quoting them, and then other people in groups saying, and "I think that oh, because they up, said this," and it's just this layers <laughs> of truth start building up, and there's no fundamentals to it whatsoever. Yeah, for me, it's like taking vaccine advice from your aunt uh, on Facebook. You know, it's it's pretty much the same level at this point. And the thing is like. Because of the level of attention these get, and I'm sorry for people who listen to this podcast, but because of unrefined, the SEO community is, uh, in terms of critical sense, very many times. This type of content, even poorly done, works really well, right? It's like I've seen many blog posts with like, you know, they find three sites that went down and they find three bad things about that site. And then they just essentially say, well, this update is about this because look at these three sites, you know, and that's, that's what happens. And I think it's a real guru maker 
these kind of like blog posts, like it's, it's exactly how you get a lot of people's attention. Like if I wanted to be big in IM today and I had zero sense of ethics, that's what I would do. I would wait every time there's a Google update and I would find some size that went down and I would write a big blog post with a bunch of analytics screenshots with like red arrows pointing at stuff, etc. Like BuzzFeed style, you know? And then I would just, I don't care what I would write. If I had no ethics, I would just like make stuff up. Right? I'd be like, look, all these sites have slightly below page speed average. So it must be a page speed update issue. Oh, by the way, look, I found this one spammy link pointing to this site. So it must be about links, etc. I guarantee you 70% or 80% of people would eat it up, believe it, and then follow me and then buy whatever I'm selling, right? It's like... I didn't really want to say this name because I think they're nice, but I was in, uh, when we went Bali last year, the year before now, <laughs> in 2019 now, I went to the Mary Haynes agency presentation. These guys are even quoted by Google, right? It's like when these updates come out, like Google actually quotes some of their blog posts. So it's like they get a lot of credit from Google, right? But I was very surprised to go to this presentation because basically the first half was talking about these core updates, which essentially was them pushing the idea of EAT, right? It's like, uh, so like putting trust and like showing authority, et cetera, on your site. And then when they would take case studies of clients that they helped, they would show very, very basic fixes to these sites. Like we added an auto box, we fixed the site speed, uh, we rewrote the about page, et cetera. And then they show some sites that went back up, right? But it's like, I don't have a view of all the sites they take care of, but it felt very much like a portfolio effect, you know, of like, you know, let's say, talk a lot about penalties, take 50 penalized people, because there is a lot of like refreshes to the updates, et cetera, to whatever you do, you might get four, five backup, six backup. I don't know. I'm just making, I, I, this one is like speculation. I'm just putting a big speculation bar on this, et cetera. And then use these as case studies to essentially say, look how stuff works, you know? And then not really knowing what is the state of the other people that you've worked with or like, et cetera. And so I do marketing and I'm pretty good at being, building sales pages, et cetera. And I would say that's exactly how we'd market a service like that. And it would work really well. Not saying that that's what they do, by the way, so I'm going to uh, highlight that. But what really struck me in the presentation is on one side, they would talk about all these new concepts, etc., And then essentially they do a basic site audit content pruning type thing that we've known for many years. Content pruning started with Panda. Started, uh, pruning started like, it's going to be 10 years in not that long, you know, that, uh, that people started doing this stuff. And so essentially it's like old recipes for new updates. And it didn't feel like that groundbreaking and rather the like kind of like be applying best practices that we already knew about and using these updates as just a way to attract attention, you know? To be fair, and I didn't go to that presentation, so I, I, I don't know what, what they said exactly, but to be fair, a lot of the time that is the remedy. Uh, it's because people have neglected agree, but the, they've neglected the fundamentals and they need a penalty event or a big negative thing to happen to their site before they, you know, get their ass in gear and actually start doing the stuff which they should have been doing anyway. But let's be honest, when you're coasting agree. along at number one, it's not always the first thing on your mind. I don't agree I don't disagree on the solution. I just take the we're gonna analyze updates as a really smart marketing hook to just do normal SEO work for people and make it look more innovative than it really is. That's kind of like what annoys me a bit and like, it's not necessarily what they do, but rather how people perceive that, which is not always the thing. Like it's very often we talk about something and then people will kind of like interpret what we say and then something else will come out of it and be like, oh, Gail said that or Mark said that on the podcast. It's like, well, I didn't exactly say that or like, uh, it's like, but they might have interpreted it. And it kind of feels that way. And then you play on that ambiguity to make sales, you know, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you don't, you don't correct people. You just let this ambiguity of like, oh, there's some kind of like secret sauce to solve this by your initial hook. And then you just apply what you should do, which is SEO best practices, because that's what Google says people should do. And that's because usually that's what solves these kind of problems, you know? I agree. I'm just saying that's like kind of the fundamental, that's what marketing is, like positioning your product yeah, yeah. in a way that like shows it in its best possible light, <laughs> and, you know? Everybody does it. We do that as well, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know what? In this podcast, I wanted to just shine the light on that. And I hope that people with enough critical sense will understand that. And we'll maybe look at this kind of content with a bit more critical sense, because that is what is going to help you kind of navigate this sea of interpretations from people on the internet. And I think that's more important than what we think about the updates. I think that's, if you have to take something away from this podcast, take this away, you know? Don't believe everything you read on Facebook. 
Exactly. Well, hopefully you, you knew that before, but just in case. You but know? I mean, you, you brought up the vaccine thing, like you wouldn't take advice from your aunt on, yeah. on yeah. Facebook about whether For they're vaccines, good or yeah. bad or whatever. You'd go to a doctor kind of thing. Exactly. But in this case, there's like the, there's not a established no doctors, yeah. common <laughs> wisdom, common knowledge that's been kind of like checked and tested and, and evolved o- over years and this because mm-hmm. nobody knows. Like nobody knows exactly, exactly what's what's happening here. So it's understandable that people then default to the SEO experts, sometimes people like us, you know, other other people as well, and say, Oh, what's going on here? You have to tell me. And like we don't know exactly. Yeah. And usually these kind of like niches where there's ambiguity are the absolute best niches for info products. If you want to do info products as a business model, try to find niches with ambiguity and then just establish an angle and people buy into that and you sell them an info product. It works really well. It works in finance, for example. It will work in nutrition diet where, again, okay, there is science, but there's also a lot of different schools and like people will fight with each other, etc. It works even in like things like parenting and how to educate your children, how to train your dog as well. I guess it's the same category. Like things like that, where there's like different schools and a bit of ambiguity and no like one way of doing things tends to be the best niches for, for info products and selling that kind of stuff. Usually high pro commission sales products. Anyway, anything else to say on analyzing community content, etc. on these updates? Yeah, so we mentioned it before. I just want to emphasize it again. There's a, always a strong bias in the people who are commenting and having these discussions. So someone will post, oh, you know, Google tweeted the, algorithm, the core algorithm update coming out, anyone get hit. And then all the people that were unaffected will just be like, ah, keep scrolling. Like some people might say no, nothing yet. But the vast majority of people will, will just ignore it. The people who respond are the people who were affected by it. So you get this cluster of the people worst affected or best affected in a positive way. And then that's everyone who's talking about it. So it can seem like as a percentage of people who are responding to that Facebook group post, 90 plus percent of them were affected in some way. So you can think, oh, actually, everybody's been affected by this. This was a really big deal. When in fact, that represents 0.01% of website owners kind of out there. So you have to be aware of that fact as well, I think. Yeah. I mean, you can find so many sites that didn't get affected, right? For And I tend to do that as well. Like people like, oh, affiliate sites got affected. I'm like, okay, let's find 10 sites, 10 affiliate sites that didn't get affected. Oh, affiliates are all um, like, you know, guest post links are getting, being affected. Okay, let's find 10 sites that the guest posting building don't get affected, etc. And usually that's how science works, right? It's like you make a hypothesis, then you try to disprove it. And if you can't disprove it, then it's accepted as a theory, which essentially is going to is looking to be disproved in the future, but there's no active research for it. Um, that's not how the SEO world works. And I think if scientists look at the way we do research, they would be uh, they would be amazed <laughs> the quality of the research. There's no peer review as well, right? It's like I think that's an important po- point in science. There's peer review, which means let's say. Someone says we have a remedy against a disease. Then what happens is like another another group of scientists or usually multiple other groups of scientists then take that remedy and test it themselves and say, yes, we confirmed that worked or no, that didn't work. Right. And it's like when this is peer reviewed and published usually in big, big, uh, like the, in nature or the Lancet or things like that, essentially that's when it becomes accepted by the scientific community. And then people essentially start to replicate the findings of this, like uh, the treatment, etc. In SEO, that doesn't really happen. People just publish something and then people kind of like scroll through it quickly, but nobody really spends the time to recreate the experiment or recheck the data that has been shared, etc. And so it's very easy to either be wrong, not trying to deceive anyone, but just make a mistake. I'm sure if you check our data studies, for example, I'm sure if you really dig into them, you would find one or two mistakes easily, uh, even if we didn't intend to do anything bad. Or it's easy to just twist the facts and just essentially push your agenda here. So you need to be a little bit careful on that. And yeah, SEO research is, is usually poor quality and you need to treat, take it with a massive grain of salt when you read yeah. it. Yeah. Anytime someone says, oh, our tests reveal this, like, oh, God. Uh, you know, be very careful. Often they're not actually testing anything at all 
or often there it's like, oh, I'll just look through like six of my analytics properties and like see if I can come up with something in 10 minutes or or whatever. So be careful of that. And the other thing, uh, last thing I want to say about this is some of the data you see in, in Ahrefs is not always that accurate, specifically around site traffic. Now, obviously, if you have a site going from 1.9 million visitors to 33,000 visitors, as we'll talk about in just a second, then it's pretty safe to assume that they've been they've been hit pretty pretty badly. But often you can see you know fluctuations of 50%, something like that, and it, it's actually the site hasn't hasn't changed at all. It's just the way Ahrefs calculated it is is not yeah. the actual number, you know. Sometimes Ahrefs updates, but Google doesn't, you know, and so you'll see fluctuations. They try to kind of like normalize it. So they did that in the past where there was like big drops and then they kind of like renormalize it in the past so that it doesn't look like there's a big drop. But you've got to also be careful that the tools you use might be updated. And so they might show different data because data sources are also, it's a big challenge for these tools, especially like traffic data. So you need to be a bit careful of that because you're you're essentially you're like in an uneven field, and then you have like another uneven field on top, which is your tool, and then it's like at the average of the average of the average, and it just becomes quite distant from reality very often. I mean, yeah, Atari Hacker Traffic, for example, if you check on Ahrefs, we have like four or five times more traffic than what Ahrefs will show, for example, and the curve also is not really accurate. Like it's like we've been doing quite well in the last year. It shows it's flat for us, for example, and several of our sites are kind of similar. So yeah, I think uh, I think it's not the most accurate thing that you can look at. And again, what I just did is I took anecdotal evidence from one site to draw a conclusion. That's what you need to be careful of, by the way. So like, I'm just highlighting what I just did and don't make generalities from my one case study. That's what people do. And that's what we try to warn you against, basically. One thing I want to add to this is that it's actually a quote from Plato. So with us, like, I'm going from shitty analogies to quotes from Plato because these people are much smarter than me or used to be much smarter than me. It's an interesting one. It's kind of like a philosophy point, right? It's like, it's like one of his students said that uh, he's the wisest person he ever knows. And Plato said, I know that I know nothing. And that sounds very deep. But basically, what is interesting is that as people get wiser, they accept the fact that there is things they don't know and can't understand. And I think that's an important thing. It's like as humans, we try to fill the gap with a narrative of something we don't understand, right? When we don't understand something, we try to give it meaning, to look for a pattern, to look for something that just tells us what happened, how it happened, etc. My personal belief is that that's where religion came from. We didn't understand death. We wanted to explain it. And so we, you know, came up with a narrative that would explain that. That's a personal belief. Everyone can believe what they want. And it feels the same. But like, you know what I mean? It feels the Treading same with a Google dangerous territory there, Gal. <laughs> That's why I say it's my personal belief, etc. I put a lot of disclaimers around this. But it's kind of the same with Google Updates. What's happening is something is happening. We see movement, but we can't explain it. We don't know what's happening. And so we are looking for a rational explanation as fast as possible so that we can fill that gap in our mind and we can understand what's happening. And that's when they're targeting affiliate sites, it's guest posting links, et cetera, type of reasons kind of come up. It's kind of like our mechanism in our brain to fill the gap and build a narrative around what's happening. And so if you go back to that quote from Plato, which is, I know that I know nothing, and I think a lot of big SEOs that I've talked to will kind of like take that approach as well, which is we don't really know what these updates are. And not many people know exactly what these updates are. And they might all be different one, different things as well. And we can tell if it's just the same one that's being kind of like updated or if it's just new things that they are introducing with these core updates. But I wanted to incite people to fight the urge to fill the gap and to absolutely give a meaning to every update that's coming up, because that's usually how you come up with superstitions and you invent reasons for that. And I actually have a link from Darren Brown that I'm going to be sharing in the cards here. It's a really old video, but it's a social experiment on how superstition is built, basically. I'm just going to give a two-second pitch on this. It's nothing to do with SEO, but he basically locked people in a room and there was a counter on top. That count, and the goal for people was to get 100 points, right? So it starts at zero, and the goal is to get 100 points. And there was many things, you know, there was like a slot machine in there, there was some balloons, there was some like games, etc. And so people are like, oh, what do we do in this room to increase the points, etc. And they start playing with everything, and randomly some points start appearing, right? And it's like, oh, look, I touched this balloon, and my points went up, the points went up, or like I did this slot machine, and it went up, etc. And actually what's happening is in the room next door, 
they put a fish tank with a goldfish and a line in the middle of the tank. And every time the goldfish crosses the line, they increase the points by one point, right? So it's completely unrelated to what the candidates are doing, completely nothing to do with that. And you see people building all these beliefs of what the things they did do to increase the score points when it has nothing to do with it. And you see people do crazy stuff to increase the point score by the end of it, because they're like, oh, that worked, that worked. Look, three times I did it and three points increased on the thing. And I believe that's a really good explanation to what's happening with Google updates, <laughs> which is, you know, we might be looking at the completely, like at the completely wrong thing. And because, you know, something happens when we do something, we establish causality when there might be zero causality. And so I think it's quite important to accept that and go back to this accepting that you don't know and kind of like, and that's why, essentially, I don't disagree with what Mary Haynes does for her clients, which is follow SEO best principles, pruning the content, removing the shit pages, updating your about page, doing all these things. Completely agree with what she's doing. I think this makes sense. And that's probably the best approach to, to deal with these updates. But you need to refrain from thinking that you know because you've observed one event that linked to that update or to recoveries or things like this, basically. How, on, a, on a bullshit degree, on a bullshit scale, how, how, where would you put this uh, explanation, Mark? Oh, I agree completely. Oh, wow. I'm uh, very proud of myself. Like, I managed to quote, uh, to quote different sources and you agree with me. Anyway, let's jump into sites that got hit. So we're going to look at a few sites and, and we're going to do what we told people not to do, really, which is like, Try to look at what, what was wrong with these sites and try to say why they might have gotten hit. And I think you're going to do the analysis on the first one. And then I'm going to try to, to go against it. Let's just do that. And then I'll do the second one. And then you do the same, right? Sure. So these were not sites which we just picked randomly. These were the ones which other people had suggested. Like, hey, look at this. What happened here uh, on our in our Facebook groups? So there's already uh, an element of selection bias and, and, and stuff here. But the first one is GearHungry.com. It's a rel or was a relatively big site in August 2019 at 1.9 million monthly visitors, according to Ahrefs. November last year it had 666k. So it was already kind of declining a little bit. But then from at the start of December 2020. It went from 626 to 33K. So it lost 95% of its traffic That's um, almost, according to Ahrefs, which is not a nice situation for the owner of that site, obviously. Um, now, people were saying, oh, it's a good site. Why did this get hit? And a lot of people were throwing around things like, oh, you know, it's too much affiliate content. Google's going after affiliate, affiliate sites. It's the ratio of affiliate content to info content. I saw one person like actually planning on writing a bunch of info content just to balance out his affiliate content. That's I really don't think that that's what's what's happening here. A big thing you notice about Gear Hungry is it's super broad. I don't even think they have a niche. Like it's just they cover everything. So they review shoes, bubble bath, guitars, sunglasses, speakers, home gym, outdoor equipment, camping, knives, electronics, all this stuff, and it's. It's super broad, first of all. Second, my problem with it is that the content is just not good. And I'm not saying it's really bad or it's illegible. Like It's written by native English speakers. They have decent templates. They follow a, a nice outline. It looks good on when you're not reading it. It's like the design, the layouts is good. But it's the equivalent of a sports team, like showing up and playing the game and thinking, oh, we just need to show up to win. Like, and, but not trying to win. Like, they're not doing the things that you need to do with your content. They're not really explaining, okay, we're, to we're talking about the best hiking shoes. Like, why are these the best hiking shoes? Like, let's get into it. They're re repurposing, regurgitating the basic information, which is on the Amazon sales page, Amazon product page. And they're maybe making like one or two comments about it, which is super generic. And if I actually... Like if someone put a gun to my head, I'm like, oh, you have to find the best hiking shoe. I would not feel comfortable that I had the correct answer from reading this, from reading their content. So even things like their introductions, they're, they're just a little bit weak as well. Like they describe what the product is in their introductions. Yeah, it's a bit shit. So when we say it's shit, like so the, I, I'm careful because on a scale, like it's still better than most content out there, but it's not... 
as good as the stuff that's ranking now on, on page one. Mm. I'm, I'm actually checking one right now, and uh, I would disagree. So I'm checking best tactical backpack. I'll send you the URL so you can actually check it out. And I'm Googling best tactical backpack. And uh, honestly, I don't think it's much better what's ranking number one right now. So it's like there's this site called hoodmwr.com, which is uh, basically a generate press site that looks terrible and ranks number one right now. But yeah, and they seem to also be a generic site, actually. It's more like uh, outdoor and accessories, I guess. So again, their content is, I wouldn't describe it as like world beating or, or anything, but it's not like with Google, your content has to be above a certain threshold. Like there's only 10, 10 spots. So if everyone else is shit, you just need to be slightly less shit. Uh, and of course, then there's, a, there's an element of how much is your overall DR, your overall site authority, taking you forward. And it's quite hard to analyze because Gear Hungry was quite high DR site. Self. Some of the other examples we talked about, there's a low, low DR site and there's new low DR sites ranking on page one. And you can clearly see a big, big difference there. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like they are a very generic site, right? They do everything. And for a site that does everything, literally basically doesn't have a niche other than reviewing stuff. The niche is reviews, you know, DR70 is not high DR because when you are in that category of like very broad sites that will write reviews about anything, then you are competing against New York Times that has Wirecutta now. You are competing against Forbes. You are competing. And so I don't say that the content from the New York Times, no, the content from Wirecutta is better. But the content from Forbes, like roundup reviews from Forbes, please, it's a bit shit, you know? <laughs> it's like they're just ranking because they're DR90 plus, right? But essentially, they are beat at that, right? It's like there is a lot of like essentially really big newspapers now that do exactly the same thing with much, much, much better link metrics. And so like, you know, in that case, it's like there's, there's no content advantage and you are losing on the link metrics by quite a lot, actually. So you're just not the top dog in that category. If you were like specialized, so I was checking like tactical backpacks, right? So if you are specialized in like military equipment, then your niche focus would probably make up for the fact that you have lower, that you have lower authority. And so you would probably have a much stronger chance of ranking for these terms. So that's kind of like, that's kind of what I'm, what I'm observing is that, it's, you know, it's like Google is kind of mixing in a lot of these roundup review keywords, niche specialized sites with very, very broad sites like Forbes, for example. You know, we have that sports site. And when I Google a lot of the keywords, essentially like, yeah, you'll see Forbes or you'll see like sites that should not be here. Let's be honest for a second. They're just like writing this for the SEO mixed with sites that are specialized in the sport that we're writing about. And so maybe you're competing for only two or three spots in the SERP when you're like a generalist site writing a review about this term. And, uh, and if you are, then you're competing against actually usually bigger players like the DR90 plus of this world that are doing this. So I would say, and that's why I would tend to see these kind of like big sites drop because, you know, all the pages drop because essentially they're like, Google may be recategorizing like its SERP in like, okay, here's the spots for generalist sites, here's the spots for specialist sites, etc. Then you're competing against it. By the way, again, this is speculation. Like, we need some kind of like speculation line here. This doesn't mean it's true. This means it's just what I'm looking at and what I'm observing as an individual that cannot possibly gather enough data through this podcast to give you the absolute truth. Um, so be a little bit careful. Don't quote, like, don't quote what I said as the absolute truth, but rather as like something that I'm observing, right? What I'm observing as well is that these sites, they drop off a cliff when they drop their traffic, right? It's like the whole site gets hit. So it's not like, I don't think you can blame it on like a single page or something like that, but rather like a majority of the content on the site has some kind of issue. When you drop from like, Gear Hungry went on November, 28th of November, 2020, they had 626,091 traffic on Ahrefs. And on the 8th of January, 2021, they had like 46,000 or something. So it's a site-wide drop. So yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm wondering if this doesn't just flag a site, like, you know, the first versions of Panda and Penguin, they were just like, you know, you'd have like a half of your site would be shit and it just like the whole site, they're like, okay, we dropped the whole site. And I, these definitely seem to be site-wide things. And that's why you need site-wide fixes as well. And usually fixing that one page or something doesn't do it. Yeah, it is an interesting one, Gear Hungry, but it's it's typical content farm. I agree. Like they just describe what the, they describe, they tell stuff that people who Google these keywords already know, right? So like, you know, you Google best tactical backpack, 
It's like the first Q&A thing is what is a tactical backpack? It's like, thank you. I, it's like, if I'm Googling this, I obviously know what it is. I'm already looking to buy one and to get one. Who makes the best one? How to use a tactical bag? I mean, seriously, like if, again, you're not looking for this in a buyer gap, but rather, you know, you would maybe talk about the materials used, right? It's like maybe this type of material is better if you're going to be going into a wet environment, but this one is going to be better if you're going into a cold environment and things like that. These would be interesting questions to ask. It's the same as like, you know, this um, Alpha Investor site that they made for us, you know, I made a video on like how to update the content, etc. And we really got on page one, actually, like we got like top five, I think, for best flushing toilet or something. So decent keyword, yeah, from number 40 or something, revamping the content, doing zero link building. And one of the things we fix is these stupid questions on the page, actually. Um, one of the questions that was on the page was how to flush a toilet. <laughs> and I was like... <laughs> Do we really need to go this slow on this piece of content? And so we went more for like, okay, what are the types of flush, you know, like, uh, like how does it work and like, which ones are the best pressure, like things like that, how to pick the best type of flush for your water pressure, things like this, like things that are like semi-interesting to the user. And so all of these things are what we mean as well. They come under the banner of, of search intent. Like think of the person who's Googling this keyword. What do they know already? What do they want to find out from you? They don't, if, if they're Googling about backpack, they don't need to find out like how to put on a backpack or what a backpack is. They already know that. They want to know the specifics about like what makes this backpack better than the other or what kind of one is good for what situation. And that's where you should focus your content and you can ignore the useless stuff. Yeah, you need to go past all these stupid questions. It's not because you see them in, because what people, what happens is people see these questions in uh, Google suggestions, you know? So they just put like tactical backpack and then it either like uh, they use a tool or something or like the, um, it's in Ahrefs as well. And it gives you these questions, these stupid questions like what is a tactical backpack, etc. And so they put it in there to help the search intent. I think this is kind of shit. Like I think this is where you need to apply a degree of uh, critical sense in what you pick in your articles and think about who is going to be Googling this. It's like someone who Googles who is a tactical bag, what is a tactical backpack? Who is a tactical backpack? I don't think many people Google that. What is a tactical backpack? It's not the same people who as people who Google her best tactical backpack. It's before that. Like you first, the, the search journey is you Google what is a tactical backpack? You read about it and you're like, yep, that's what I need. And then then you like, okay, I want to buy a tactical backpack because from what I've read, I need this. And you Google best tactical backpack, but it's kind of like one step down in the funnel of buying. And so it probably should be two different pages. So you need to apply that level of critical sense. There's no tool that does it for you, which is why people mess it up. And fixing that on that page for that case study of like a sample size of one. So again, take everything with a grain of salt, but you can go check that video on reviving old content. And actually, if you put that page, I, I didn't check recently, but it was on page one like uh, after we closed the case study. So that was pretty good. Okay, I'm going to take the next site, which is going to be petlifetoday.com. So that is a site that pretty much does everything pets, but very, very heavy focus on cats and dogs in their content. So it's, yeah, it's, it's quite focused. And they also dropped a lot of traffic. So they went from 570,000 traffic to 10,000 traffic, according to Ahrefs. So again, take this with a grain of salt. That hurts, you know, <laughs> that was a big drop. And so it's funny because I, I opened the website first when it was in the list and I was like, oh, this is not an affiliate site. There is um, a lot of like, uh, you open the homepage today and there's a lot of like info content was like, you know, what to do if your cat loses its hair and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, that's great. It's not an affiliate site. And it dropped, it's going to like make our point, right? Except what I did as well is I took the URL and I put it in archive.org. I looked at where it looked like before they lost their traffic, right? And then back then the homepage was full of affiliate reviews only everywhere. It's like, you know, like best water dispenser for dog and things like that. Basically it was everywhere and it was everywhere on the sidebar of every article as well. Right. So they were trying to use the sidebar to essentially juice all their review articles. So it was very, very heavy on that. They did already implement quite a bit of EAT on EAT signals, let's say on their site. So they had Autobox and kind of like on the top of the article, they, like they had vets writing this and it was written. It was like doctor or something, et cetera. And the, the auto bio box would actually mention if the, the writer was a vet or something. And then the about page at the time already had a lot of EAT. 
they had kind of like the list of all the vets that work with them. They had like a board of advisor and like all of that. Like it was very, very well detailed, to be honest. They were following a lot of the, essentially the recommendations that a lot of people make to avoid being hit by these updates at the time, which was very interesting to me because, you know, it's like I, I never really bought into this too much, to be frank. And so it's interesting to me that they had this before and they got hit anyway. And so following that, what they've done is they actually changed the homepage. So now when you go on the homepage, it's not random previews. It's going to be info content pretty much exclusively. The review content is only deep linked inside the site. It's kind of like pushback. It's not unpublished though. It's like every roundup preview I've tried to open was still here, just not linked to from the homepage. They also tried to increase the EAT stuff by changing their sidebar from links to their roundup reviews to links to kind of like showcase vets, vet profiles that write for the site. Like they tried to essentially increase these EAT signals, right? So obviously what they're trying to do post update, which is interesting is like, if you want to learn, it's really interesting to see what people what people look like before and after an update. And after that, obviously, it's going to be interesting to see if that site recovers or not. That's how you learn about these updates, right? So far, it hasn't, it seems. And so what I did, I couldn't really find anything else. So what I did is I took I took a random preview. I think it was dog, best dog hardness to stop pulling. And then I they had that page that stopped ranking. And I looked at the top ranking sites as well. I was like, okay, what is Google showing on top, right? And it's kind of funny because if you Google it, there is zero EAT. I think rover.com, for example, is one of the sites that ranks number one or two for that keyword. There's zero EAT. Like you go to the author bio of the rover.com author of the article that ranks. It literally says freelance writer, etc. She has zero credential, the girl who wrote it. And they have no shame in putting that on the site. And they're ranking number two or something. The content is like not really much better than what they had on this uh, Pet Life Today site. So what I did is then I put the URL of Pet Life Today in Surfer. So I would look at kind of like what is the difference between them and the top ranking pages. And the only two things that I found is one, there was zero exact keywords in the body of the article. Like they did not have the exact keyword. And two, they were quote unquote over optimized for dog harness, which appeared 30 times in the content when the recommended range was seven to 13. I don't think that, but like, I think it's an interesting one because then the question is, well, if they do these things, is it gonna, is it gonna fix their rankings? I don't believe it will because it looks like these updates are site-wide. Like you don't go from 570,000 visits to 10,000 and you fix that one page and you go back up. There's definitely a site-wide issue happening here. But I believe that from my experience, they should have more exact keywords in the body that might help actually. So I can't tell you what happened, but I can tell you that the sites that rank, they're not even focusing nearly as hard on the EAT stuff, which was a very interesting thing for me. And I think it's a good case study on like, like, are we over, overthinking this? Are we overdoing this? You know, because the guys that rank on top literally have no shame to say it's just a random freelance writer who wrote this. I would also say that just, just yep. because someone is a vet or has a qualified background in whatever the niche, niche it is, it doesn't mean that their content's good. Like they have the authority, but they can also also write bad content or just not be a good writer. I'm not saying Pet Life's Pet Life Today's content is is bad per se. It looks good enough. Like I wouldn't say, oh, this is outstanding. I'm definitely have seen pet sites do do better, but it's it's not that bad. Like, do you think they deserve to be hit? Mm, I mean, compared to what's ranking now, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I mean, I again, yeah, I don't think it's the absolute best. Con like, you know, I buy a lot of dog products. I have a dog, etc. Would I find their content useful? Meh. Is it worse than everything I find already? No. <laughs> you know, it's um, like it's like kind of a couple steps up, definitely from what was the deal on Gear Hungry. There is again, you can see how they've constructed their content in the way that they're they're regurgitating what's on the the product page uh, for a lot of their, their commercial Yeah, but it's what content. the top ranking do and as well, you know? I know. And I'm not <laughs> saying, you could often have a case where a site gets penalized and others don't, but others probably should have as well if, yeah. if you want it to be equal, but just they didn't get caught this time for whatever reason. But oh, I'm just saying like... I just found something interesting. That's why I'm saying that. So at the end of a lot of their reviews, it seems like they have a lot of exact match internal links 
to other reviews. So I sent you a URL. We can show it on the on the podcast as well. And you can see they have other pet reviews you might be interested in. The best dog food storage, the best bows for pets, the best bicycle trailers for dogs, the best recipe terrarium you meet high, the best dog shoes, the best... Do you see that? Yeah. This looks like a bit of stuffing, to be honest, to me. So it's like, this is something where we'll be like... Over, eh, over-optimized anchors on internal links. Like, yeah, you might you might be caught on this. Like, this, this could be something that hurts you a bit. So it's like... Yeah, I, I could I could see that. I'm gonna add this to the notes so we can show you guys as we talk about this. But um, yeah, it's so it's like, you know, it's not bad, but you can see they're like they're thinking about SEO very hard, and they might have been overzealous on some practices. Like internal linking is good, but I tend to prefer contextual internal linking, for example. You know, so yeah, there's there's some stuff where I'd be like, eh, you might want to tone this down, especially given your current situation. You know. All right, so this is getting quite long. So what we're going to do is we're going to stop analyzing sites here. But what we're going to do is actually this Friday, we are going to be doing a live stream with Mark. So it's going to be on YouTube only. So you need to go on YouTube. It will be scheduled at the time when this podcast is is here. So you can just go and set notification on our YouTube channel. And we will just be analyzing more penalized sites. So And you guys can ask us your questions as we do this. And we can have kind of like deeper discussions, etc. It should be interesting. So let's do that. And uh, kind of like jump on the section that you prepared, Mark, which is what should people do if they got hit? Control your emotions, first of all. It's a very difficult thing to handle if you've been working, building a business, and then you lose 95% of your traffic overnight. You can kind of feel emotional about it and and make all sorts of rash decisions. I've seen people stop working, uh, give up completely in these, these situations. But the reality is whatever business, line of business you're in, there will always be serious threats, existential threats, big industry shifts that, that come along and how you handle it and how you deal with those will ultimately define your success as a, as a business owner. This is especially true with updates. You have to be analytical. You have to wait kind of until the dust settles. That's quite important because as we've seen, there may be updates that are rolled back or updates can actually take a couple of weeks to fully roll out and you can see actually what's what's happened where everything lies. So resist the urge to jump in and and start changing things uh, immediately. My approach would be to analyze the sites that won rather than focusing too much on the sites that lost because the, the sites that won and the sites that are there in the top 10 now are the sites that are they're doing something right. But there are billions of sites which are doing which are not there, which are doing things wrong. So it's better to focus on the, the positive rather than the negative and look, really look at what they do that you don't. Often, as we, we said earlier, a update like this, it can be a prompt to actually do a bunch of the stuff that you should have really been doing earlier. I mean, when was the last time you did a content audit on your site? When was the last time you looked at old content that you wrote three, four years ago, has the, in, the search intent for some of those queries changed? Have your competitors just started doing better content than you have? I would be looking at these things very, very closely and ensuring that you're, you are serving the correct user intent and do a full content audit to see where you stand, whether you want to delete this post because it's, uh, it's not ranking, it never has been, whether you want to improve it, it's worth fixing, whether you want to rewrite from scratch because things have changed, the landscape has, has changed so much. Look at, really look at your the quality of your content. And it can be uh, very difficult to do this if you're focused on your own site. Often getting someone else in, a friend, another site owner, just to say, hey, what do you actually think of this? Avoid any kind of person that says, oh, it's, it's really good. Like you want someone who's going to give you that brutally honest feedback and actually this is what's not so good and, and stuff. And I would, I would get Maybe someone I like sell that. A consulting service doing that. I'm pretty good at it. Yeah. Or, or you could just come to our live stream on Friday where we'll, yeah, uh, we'll come go on through actually, some. Actually, yeah, and, we can do uh, it. We'll, we'll take some people's sites if they want to su- submit them forward and we'll, we'll give you some brutally honest feedback <laughs> as well. Should be fun. I would recommend people do that once a year, by the way. Don't wait to be penalized. I think yeah. that's the correct way of doing this. Like, it, If you don't want to be penalized, do this once a year. And, and do as if you just got penalized once a year and it's going to hopefully prevent it, you know? So audit your content, audit your link profile as well. I mean, often you'll get a, a notice through Webmaster Tools Search Console if you're doing anything, you know, unnatural link penalties and, and stuff, in which case you can really zero in on it. But it's just good practice, you know, to actually like prune anything which shouldn't be there or if there's been any kind of like spam SEO stuff coming in lately, that that can be a signal that you might want to take care of. And 
technical SEO audits, internal linking, site structure, all again, all the usual stuff which you should be doing anyway, but which the reality is, and we're guilty of this ourselves for some of our sites, we don't do it as often as we, we should do. So we, we do a bit of a better job now. We like have someone this. actually taking care of these full time, but um, yeah. we still we still we can do better. I agree. But the most important thing is not to stop working, not to stop doing things which you should be doing to grow your site. I had a really good example of a guy who messaged me, like couldn't understand why his site got hit. It wasn't even that big of a hit, but lost some traffic. And just stop working, stop making content, stop uh, building links. About eight or nine months after that, the site came back from an, from another update. He didn't really change much, but yeah. he spent that entire time trying to figure out what was wrong. And then he lost out on all that that time he could have been spending growing his site and or doing the work that would later result in the growth. He had like analysis paralysis kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, the thing is like, you say that, but we stopped talking on health ambition. So it's like, people will probably call us out on that. So let me just call us out on that. Uh, but just to be, <laughs> I mean, that? to address that, we stopped working on it three months before the medic update when it got hit. So it wasn't because of that update. We made a decision, hey, this is this not worth working on this site. It's like, not on so, the level of what we can do anymore, yeah. And it's like, we yeah, stopped the, it. But the net uh, present value of working on that was not as high as all of our other projects. Yeah, I agree. I wanted to say that because otherwise it's, it's too easy of a call out, you know, and people will call us out. So I'm doing it, I'm doing it for them. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of thank you in the comments as usual. All right. Any final words of wisdom on this for the people, even though you just gave them a bunch? No, it's just, again, what we said at the start, don't listen to people on Facebook groups who have the answer because they don't. I mean, this is, uh, we've been talking for over an hour here and we're didn't have enough time to go through it. So we'll do an extra live stream on Friday because there's just so much nuance and so much detail to it that you kind of just need to understand the, the framework of, of how these things work rather than looking for that, the answer, like, oh, this is why your site's got penalized. So just fix this one thing, just change the settings, fix this one thing and it'll be back to normal. Business will yeah, continue as, as it was before. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, you're looking for the silver bullet. I also wanted to highlight that it's like it may seem kind of unfair, and like if it may seem like oh SEO is shit because it works that way, Google can make an update and kill all your traffic. They, these things happen for pretty much every online business model, right? On Facebook, I mean, I know it for a fact. Uh, you can get banned for no reason, and you can never be allowed to advertise again. On YouTube, that happens as well. You get YouTubers get demonetized all the time for whatever reason. Stop making money completely. On FBA, it happens as well. Like Amazon has been banning people because they had too many negative reviews or they got negative review bombed or something. And it's or Amazon's like build, building similar products that uh, for cheaper based on what they see someone else selling, and they just come away exactly. and take away all your business. Exactly. And the, and then on the app stores is the same as well. If Apple doesn't like the way you handle people's data or something like this, they will ban you. They will not make you rank. They are going to take also 30% of all the money you make because Apple, that's how they make a lot of their money, you know? And so the, and the Play Store, it works the same as well. And so on. If you do Chrome extension, it works the same. There's a lot of reasons. And also payment providers, right? If you have a checkout on your site, usually you use something like Stripe or PayPal, etc. And even though you own the product, they have leverage on you. And it can make your life hell, even though there is often alternatives. We're all dependent on the big platforms that make the internet. And this, it's kind of like the same thing as like the way people say, oh, all affiliate sites get affected by these updates. People will tend to say, oh, SEO is really, really difficult compared to the rest because look, Google can take away all your traffic. If you kind of zoom out and look at the curvature of the earth, you will see that essentially... It happens in every business model and that all the major platforms tend to have these kind of rules that can destroy your business and make it very difficult. So it's not just an SEO thing. And if you're hoping to bounce somewhere else where this kind of stuff will not happen, it's unlikely it will be the case. You will just find yourself in the same situation somewhere else on another platform in the future. So the only solution is to figure it out and plow through. So I'm going to be closing this podcast on this. You can join the live stream we're doing on Friday. So go on the YouTube channel. It should be scheduled already. So you can go ahead and just register. And then it will YouTube will tell you when we go live. And if you are a subscriber, you will also be notified. So make sure you subscribe, like the podcast if you want us to talk more about updates and newsworthy topic and click on the notification bell so you don't miss any video. And if you have any question, drop it in the comments as well. 
And we will actually go through that at the beginning of the stream on Friday. It's going to be an easy way to start the stream, I think. So maybe people as well can, if they have specific sites that they want us to look at, you can put those in the in the comments. And we yeah. can't promise we'll go through them all, but some of them we, we may actually go through on, on the live stream as well. Yeah, we're going to start with the comment section of this podcast. So it's going to be easy and you guys have a week to essentially drop them. So see you on Friday if you are coming on the stream. Otherwise, see you next week and have a good week. Bye. Thank you.